Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Turn with me to uh, John chapter 8 this morning, if you would, please. John chapter 8. We're going through uh, the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order. And um, we find ourselves in the midst of Jesus and some incredible teaching Jesus is giving while he was in Jerusalem for the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. But at the same time, he's experiencing incredible opposition from the religious leaders there. And, um, you know, Jesus, as he's teaching these people here, he's coming with a very urgent message. He knows that his time is short. He knows that he's, he's very close to going to the cross. You know, if you're the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, you know that you know, the Feast of Tabernacles in six months, the Feast of Passover is coming, and you know that's when they celebrate the, the, lamb of, uh, uh, the, lamb that t- uh, the blood of the Lamb that covered the children of Israel on their doorposts, you know, that, that covered them as the angel of death came, up, came over them, and, and Jesus knowing that that would be his time to be crucified, to, be, to die for our sins. And so you can hear the urgency in his voice and, and um, you know, just the, the boldness and the directness of getting all eyes on him during this time as he said things uh, during his teachings like, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, whoever believes in me. As the scripture is said, out of his uh, heart will flow rivers of living water. We read that in John chapter 7, verse 37. This is continuation of what Jesus is saying from there. Uh, you know, and then he had that encounter with the woman, with the adulterous woman, you know, that was caught in the adulterous act. And, and he said to her, you know, um, where, are your, where are those that condemn you? Oh, they're not nowhere to be found. Well, neither do I condemn you. And he says, go and sin no more. Jesus had the, um, the authority and the power to forgive sins. And then he goes on in, in John chapter um, 8, 12, we read last week, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is speaking with, again, an incredible urgency that people would get their eyes on him. That they would get all eyes focused on Jesus. Not on the religious system of the day, but upon Jesus Christ. Upon the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. As we move into verses 31 through 36 today, Jesus speaks about freedom. Stand with me if you would please. We're going to read these verses. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for the truth that is held within it this morning about freedom. We can be free in Jesus Christ. That he, he, Our freedom was found as he was pinned to a tree. As he rose again from the dead. As his blood was shed for us. No longer do we have to be slaves of sin. Lord, we're slaves, but we're not slaves to sin. We're slaves to you, slaves to righteousness. We ask, Father, that you would help us this morning. Expose those things in our lives that 
our, our strongholds that we need to uh, be set free from this morning and help us to find that freedom in your Son this morning. For if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Lord, help us to uh, experience that freedom in our lives today. By faith in your Son, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, Jesus brings up this subject that everyone in the world is searching for, yet rarely do people find it, freedom. People want freedom, freedom from all kinds of things. Freedom from strongholds, from addictions, from relationships, from occupations, you name it, people want freedom from it. I don't have time to go into all the statistics about uh, all those various different areas, but I just was reading a, a, an article last week on the self-help segment of retail this past week. People are running there to find freedom apparently because the segment of, the, of, that, of retail produces about $10 billion of revenue every year. And it's growing. It's growing at, at, at incredible rates. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign if it's continuing to grow. Um, they, they said that the, the recidivism or the tendency to relapse into the same thing that you're trying to find freedom from, the tendency to do that is so overwhelming that within 18 months, people are back in the self-help self uh, self section in you know, Barnes & Noble or any bookstore, and they are buying the same book that they just bought 18 months ago that they thought that they were going to find freedom in. It's not growing in terms of numbers. It's recurring people going back to the same empty well that provides no freedom whatsoever. Consumers aren't finding the help that they need, and that's why they're coming back. That tells you that it's not working. The article goes on to say, this begs the question of how much good these self-help books and seminars are doing for consumers. If they're so effective at solving problems, why do they usually result in a continuing stream of self-help purchases? It's a good question. Because there's no freedom in that. There's temporary freedom. We can make behavioral changes, behavioral modification externally, and we can change things for a minute. You know, oh, I'm, I'm going to change my diet. And, you know, in your own power, you can do that. But how many of you have seen you falter in that? How difficult that is. Just a simple thing like a common grace that God gives us of food. And yet so many other things so easily entangle people. Listen, we don't need self-help. We need divine help. We need external help. We don't have the capacity to help from within. We need help from without. It's like we're stuck in a house that's burning. And the, all the four walls, the external walls are, are, are on, in flames. There's no way out. You need somebody to come in to get you to provide a way of escape for you. That person, my friends, is Jesus Christ. He's the one that set us free. Listen, if the world knows that these self-help sections or the self-help segment is not a way to provide uh, freedom, then why in the world do Christians continue to go fall backward on the flesh thinking in your own power that you can have freedom? You can't. The world knows that. The world's seeing that. They're saying that. Christians, listen to me. You know you cannot find freedom in yourself. The flesh will, will sink its dirty little hooks into you and enslave you. you. You have no capacity to change. 
We need external help. We need Jesus Christ to come in us. And if he's in us today and we're struggling, then, then we're not, we're not, we haven't fully received the, for, the, the freedom that he wants to give us. You see, the problem is, is not, is not um, Jesus, it's us. If we're experiencing issues in our life today. And I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in detail here. Everybody wants freedom. And unfortunately, as Johnny Lee would say, they're looking for freedom in all the wrong places. Looking for freedom in too many faces. You know the song. <laughs> He's a great theologian, isn't he? Johnny Lee. Listen, the change that people need is a change from an external change, not an internal change. Um, before we move into verse 31 of what Jesus wants to talk about real change, he wants to talk about real freedom, we have to look at what he just said in verse 30. Because there's two different people, there's two different kinds of faith that are present when Jesus is speaking. And you have to understand this because it'll confuse you on what he says if you don't. What Jesus, what just got done, um, what John wrote in John chapter 8 verse 30 is he said, as he was saying these things, all the things about being the light of the world and all, all that kind of stuff and that he would be lifted up, that he would be crucified and that uh, um, you know, people will not be able to find him anymore because he's going away. He's going to go ascend to his father. But it says in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed, listen, very, very carefully, in him. Many believed in him. Now, there, there's a shift when we go to 31 here because check this out. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. There's two different people here. There's those who believe in Jesus or more literally in the Greek on Jesus or there's those that believe Jesus. There's, those are two different kinds of faith and we have to understand that. There, there's a dialogue going on with the people that Jesus says believed him. Not the people that believed in him. He's speaking to those who believed him. Now, what does it mean to believe on him or in him? Well, it, it means that Jesus is your only solution. It means that there are no other, no other eggs in your basket. You're in the Jesus. Jesus is the only egg in your basket. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. Like you're, It's not Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus Christ and him alone. Nothing else. And those who believed in or on Jesus, they found freedom. They found true freedom. They were, not, they were not looking to anything else. They put their faith in the Son of God and the God and, and God the Son and not in anything else. Those who simply believed Jesus, they believed in what he was saying, but they were never willing to leave their lifestyle. They believed his words, but they weren't willing to surrender, as we talked about. You know people like this. They know they're sinners, right? Hey, you know we're all sinners, right? Oh, yeah. I'm a big one. You know, that's why I got to clean myself up before I come to church. You met those people. They know there's something wrong with their life. They know they're in bondage to something. And they know, listen, that Jesus is a solution. Do you know that? They know this. They believe his words, but they don't believe in him. They haven't surrendered to him. That's the difference. And listen, there are those kind of people in this crowd and there are those kind of people in every church across America. Those, there's a difference in faith. Those who believe in Jesus and those who believe Jesus. Two different people. Jesus is talking to those people who simply believed him. 
He's trying to help them understand that there's a step they have to take. It's not enough to believe the words that Jesus says, to read the words in, his, in, in the Bible and to believe them, but to not do them. You see, believing in Jesus means that you're going to do his word too. It's a full surrender to him. Again, you have released all rights of your life over to him. And you said, Jesus, you're my Lord. You are my master. And I'm following you. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. It's both a believing in Jesus and a receiving in Jesus to believe in him. John said it this way in John 1, 12 through 13. He said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were uh, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To believe, honor in Jesus is both to believe in him and to receive him. It's both. It takes that action of faith. To believe what he says, but then to receive what he says, and then to do it. He tells us in verse 31 here about true disciples. He says, true disciples will what? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. If you abide in my word. The word abide there means to remain, to dwell, to live. That sounds a lot like what? Obedience. Sounds a lot like I'm going to not only hear what Jesus is saying, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to let his words be the guide of my life, to be the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. I'm not, I'm not um, paving my own way. I'm going to listen to his words and do what they say. That's what the word abides in. You're looking to Jesus. You're looking to Jesus Christ and him alone. One commentator said, we abide in Christ when we place ourselves in him and continue there. Drawing life from his words. From his words. Jesus said if we abide in him, then we are truly his disciples. That word disciples, you know what it means? Disciplined ones. Disciplined ones. Wow. This sounds a lot like we have to not only believe, but we have to let the word of God transform our lives, be disciplined in our lives, and do the word of God. That's why, you know, when I really need a... Uh, a good reminder of that, I like to read the book of James. James is the kind of guy that will rip your beard out of your face and tell you the truth. He will. He's, a, he's just straightforward. This is the brother, half-brother of Jesus. He's no-nonsense guy. When you meet James in heaven, he's going to be one of those guys that is no-nonsense whatsoever. I don't know if he'll even have a smile on his face in heaven. I mean, he is, he's one of those guys that's just straightforward truth. Listen. Show me your faith and I'll show you my works. That's the kind of stuff he says and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This kind of seems like works-based salvation here. That's not what he's saying at all. What James is saying is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're abiding in his word. Isn't that the same thing that Jesus said? Yes. James says that faith produces works. It's not the, um, the way you're saved, but it's evidence that you're saved, you see? He's telling us that faith without works is dead. It's not real. Those people are maybe the ones that just believed him, but didn't believe in him. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Listen, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That means that 
Listen, genuine faith, true faith, you will find freedom in your life to be able to do what Jesus says. That's what he's telling us. He's telling us that if we abide in him, if we, if we abide in him, we will do his word. We'll literally do it. We won't just hear it. Genuine faith produces a changed life because it is obedient to God's word. No longer will you rebel against God, but you will do everything that you can do to walk according to his word. Now, hear me when I say that doesn't mean you won't struggle. That doesn't mean that you won't struggle. You can be abiding in Jesus and get tripped up. You can be abiding in Jesus. Here's the thing is, the true test of your abiding in him is what you do after you're tripped up. What does his word say to do? His word says to do the same thing you did before. You repent, you turn away, and you turn back to him. Same idea. If you're obedient to him, it doesn't mean that you will be perfect. We don't, we don't believe in sinless perfection. We don't believe that the word of God teaches that. We believe that Jesus, that if we abide in Jesus, that when we stumble, there's repentance and that we can be made right. We're already made right in terms of the wrath of God, but fellowship-wise, we can restore that fellowship with God through repentance. Jesus is speaking to those who had believed him. Again, this, this, this person is somebody who is not made Jesus their Lord and Master. Spurgeon said it like this. He said, this person is not prepared to obey Christ. This person is not prepared to obey Christ and accept him as Master and Lord. That's the one Jesus is talking to. You're hearing my words. You're, you're hearing, but you're not listening. You're hearing, but you're not listening. You, you, you hear what I'm saying, but you're not doing what I'm saying. Do you may have kids like that? Anybody? Listen, God, I think God gave us kids for many, many, many different reasons. They are an incredible blessing. But man, are they a mirror? Where they show you yourself, you're like, wait, wait a second. And the Lord just taps on your shoulder and says, yeah, that's you. You know, when, you, when you're standing there like, I'm not doing it. That's you right there, you know, kind of thing. But, but Jesus told us, listen, listen to the words of, of Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says this. If you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? Co-pilot? That, that Jesus is your homie? No, Jesus is Lord. You know what that means, right? He's king. He's over you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Many people just want to confess Jesus, but they forget that they have, to, they have to confess him as Lord. To truly say, God, I give up. I surrender all to you. I bow my knee to you. I humble myself before you, Lord. And I give you this really, really stinky baggage of sin and, you know, no good in me whatsoever, but I come and I present myself to you. And he says, I'll take you as you are. I love you. I want a relationship with you. And now that he's Lord of your life, he can begin to steer you in the right direction and help you go the way that you should go. But you have to obey him. When you're, when you're a slave, we'll talk about this in a minute, but when you're a slave, you have no rights. And we didn't get out of slavery completely. What we got out of is slavery to sin. We're still slaves. We're just slaves to Jesus. And that I, would much, I, I, would, I wouldn't trade that for the world. 
I wouldn't want to be free. I want to be a slave to Christ because he's an incredible master and he takes, care of his, 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 um, he takes care of those who serve him, doesn't he? He loves on those who serve them and he treats them exactly the way that they're supposed to be treated, in love. Listen, these people that Jesus is talking to, they only believe him. They haven't made him Lord. The devil believes in Jesus and he trembles. The, the, the devil and his angels tremble before the Lord, they believe in him. They believe him. They don't believe in him. Uh, let me ask you before we move forward, what kind of faith do you have? You have the kind of faith that believes in Jesus? Is he your only, only option? Or do you have the kind of faith that believes Jesus, that it's Jesus plus something else? Is it Jesus plus your works? Or is it Jesus plus, you know, um, your, your capacity to fulfill the law? It, what, is it Jesus plus something else? If that's the case, Jesus is speaking directly to you today. But Jesus is speaking indirectly to all of us through this passage. And so it's an incredible um, passage that we can find freedom in. We can apply this as genuine believers to our lives. And, um, you know, we, we can find the same freedom that maybe we need today. So my prayer is that God will, you will have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say, but you would have a heart to obey what the Spirit says too. I'll tell you what, God once again wrecked me this week as I was going through this passage. And I realized like, oh Lord, there's some, there's some things in my life that I didn't realize had maybe a little bit more control than I had thought they did. Those things you have to surrender to the Lord. And that's why we have a cross back there today. And that's why we're going to take some nails here later in the service and we're going to nail our, our burdens to the cross our sins to the cross, those things that have maybe a little bit more control over you than they should. Not in the way that we find that's, we're going to find freedom because we put a nail on the cross. No, what we're doing is remembering that Jesus already paid for that. He already set us free. The reality is that there's some disconnect in our mind, in many, many Christians' minds, that believe that they just have to accept failure. You don't have to accept failure. Listen, Jesus Christ, if the Son sets you free, you're free sometimes, maybe. You're free indeed, he said. You're free indeed. You have to walk in that freedom. And for us today, to, maybe we need to surrender something to the Lord that's, that's overtaken us. And so we want to, um, you know, rather than write things out on pieces of paper and make that a little bit more difficult on you, because then you'd be worried about, oh, they might see my handwriting and know what, what it is that it's for me, you know. We're just going to, we're going to put a, it's symbolic. Listen, the only power in this whatsoever is the power of faith to believe and to receive what it is that Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. That's the only, only power. It's a symbolic. And as you take those walks of faith, just like um, the, the bread and the wa wine, you know, or the, the bread and the cup, it's the same idea. Remembering what Jesus did for us. We're going to remember what Jesus did for us as we nail our, our problems to the cross today. And, and you know what? I believe by faith in doing that, you're going to find freedom. Not because you did that, but because you put your faith in Jesus. That's the answer when you come to bondage, guys. Faith in Jesus. Look at this. Jesus tells these guys in verse 32, those who don't believe in him, but, but who believe him, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What is truth? 
What is truth? That's what Pilate asked. What is truth? Everybody wants to know what truth is. Well, the God, God's word is truth. That's what's truth. John chapter 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. There are so many people today that are trying to defame the Bible, that are trying to strip away the power in the word by, de by claiming that there's no way that it's true. It is absolutely true. And the way that we know that is by the, 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 the millions of changed lives that have experienced the freedom that is found in his word. You know, his word is, as it says, a sharp sword double-edged, and it's able to do things in people's lives that no amount of human words could ever do. It is a spiritual book. Man did not write this book. Yes, they physically pinned the book, but God himself put the words on the page, and they are alive because his words are alive, and they are active, and they are sharper than any two-edged sword, and they can discern your heart and they can divide your soul and your spirit. And they can speak into your life. And you and I know this because we've experienced it. Listen, as the world continues to try and defame and strip the power away from people by declaring, number one, maybe just taking it away altogether, or by declaring it's not true, we know that not to be the case. His word is truth. It's the definition of truth. When we, look at the Bible, when we look at the dictionary, the word truth, it should just say Bible. That's what it should say because His Word is truth. Jesus Christ, by the way. A better way to understand this, actually, who is truth, is to maybe ask the question, um, or, or not what is truth, but who is truth. Truth is not only His Word, but it, truth is a person, really. Truth is Jesus Christ. He is the Word. He's the word that was made flesh, that dwelt among us. Jesus is the singular truth. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth. Singular. And the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus because he is truth. John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. Because he is truth. He is the truth. Singular. Listen, truth is not just principles and intellectual knowledge. It's not just to take God's word and to know it intellectually. That, that won't help you. Many, many people know God's word and can quote his word and can you know, have all kinds of you know, degrees about his word, but, but they have no power in their life. They know what the words say, but they've never experienced the power of the words in their own life. Because it's more than just knowing it on an intellectual knowledge. We have to know, we have to know the truth. And to know the truth, you have to know Jesus Christ. You have to know him. If you try and know truth apart from Jesus, then you don't know truth. You don't know truth. It's impossible to separate Jesus and the truth. Because he is the truth. And, and so when we believe in Jesus and we come to Jesus, what happens is we, we get the truth, right? But, but more than that, we get, a, we get a teacher alongside of us then too. Not only do we get the truth, but we get a teacher to, 
to lead us into all truth, the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He comes inside of you and He dwells within you. And now you have the Spirit of truth inside that will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit then takes God's Word and He makes it alive to us. And he begins to teach us. And how maybe you've read these passages and, and maybe you grew up in a Christian home or whatever and you read scriptures and you know scriptures and yet um, somehow you weren't saved. And then you became saved and all of a sudden the scriptures that you read and you knew in your mind, the light bulbs came on on them and they meant something totally different to you. There was power in them. That's because to know Jesus it is to know truth. You, and then the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth for us. And He leads us into all truth. These religious folks thought that they knew truth. They knew His Word. They knew His Scriptures. Jesus even said, man, you guys, you guys know the Scriptures. But I tell you, they speak of me. You, you know them intellectually. You know what they say. You search them. You think that in them you have life. But I tell you, they speak of me. You know, He, he tells them that you, you know, but you don't know. Now, Jesus goes on here, and he, 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 they're, they're confused by what he says there. Wait a second, did he just say freedom? Did he just say freedom? They answered him in verse 33, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you would become free? Why do we need to be set free, Jesus? I mean, to bring up the idea of needing freedom to these folks w w would um, you know, be like you know, telling an Eskimo that they need ice in their minds. What do we need truth for? We, we, what do we need freedom for? We're not, we're, not, we're not enslaved to anything. We are free. As they sit um, under Roman rule, enslaved to Rome, we are free. Isn't that the way it works? How blinded we are to the truth? Oh, what do you mean, Jesus? We're, we're free, man. We're, we're already free. And, and Jesus, you know, our heritage is in Abraham. Therefore, we are free. Now, their physical freedom had been um, taken away from them many, many times. I mean, if you look back through the Old Testament, you see them enslaved to Egypt. You see them enslaved to, you know, to Assyria, to, to Babylon, and so on and so forth. You could go down the line. They've been slaves to all kinds of people. They're everything but free physically. But we're free. We're descendants of Abraham, and we've been given this land. But we're, we're enslaved. Perhaps they, they know that he's not speaking of physical freedom, that he's speaking about spiritual freedom. And, and so they still think they're free. They still think that they are free in their, in, their, um, in their relationship with God because of what? Because of their lineage. You know anybody like that? Well, oh man, my grandpa was, you know, a, a teacher, a preacher, you know, and so our whole family saved. What? What do you mean? Well, yeah, because he's in the ministry. My dad and mom, they're, they're, you know, they serve in the church and everything. I mean, we're all saved. It's the way it works. No, that's not the way it works. It's not the way it works. You're not saved by your lineage. And that's what these people thought. Never in God's Word did it say that. You get the promises of Abraham, yes. Not because of your physical lineage, but it was spiritual he was talking about. The promises come through the spiritual you know, the promises come through Abraham's lineage, but they, but they come through the spiritual side. And in fact, in Romans chapter 10, 
it talks about us being grafted into those things, right? Into the promises of God. Because uh, he promised them to Abraham and those who would believe by faith. Really, Abraham is your father if you believe in faith. Because he's the father of faith. Not lineage. That's not what, what it meant. And many of these Jews totally missed that fact. They thought like, oh, because we're Abraham's literal lineage, we are free spiritually. We're living off of Abraham's faith. You can't live off of anybody else's faith. It takes a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to be free. And many, many people, just like these guys, are refusing to face that fact. Listen, that, goes to, that also goes for, um, for Christians, you know. Um, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we are set free in that relationship, but some of us are claiming to be free, but we're everything but free. You see what I'm saying? I mean, they, they, they claim to be free, but they're everything but free. As Christians, sometimes we claim to be free, but we're everything but free. Oh, Jesus is good, man. You know, he saved my soul, and yet I can't seem to live my life remotely like he tells me to. I'm in bondage. I, you know, I want to. I'm trying. But you become like the Roman 7 person. That where you say, the life that I want to live, I cannot live. The life that I am doing, I cannot do. You know, the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. It's all about you. And it's in your own power that you're trying to live the Christian life. And that's why when Paul gets to Romans chapter 8, he talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about the power through the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's no condemnation in Christ, but God has set you free in the law of the Spirit of life. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you. Now you're empowered to live that life. And he talks about no longer it is in your power that you're living that life, but you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we fall back into the power of the flesh? Why do we become enslaved to sin again? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Yes, we have a body of death that we are carrying around. But we have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead inside of us. You know, and we can't give ourselves excuses. Like, well, we're just all sinners. Yeah, we are. But listen, you go down that road too far. You, if you go down that road too far, you may not even be saved. If that's the kind of mentality, it's no big deal. I can do whatever I want. That's what that mentality leads to. Paul said, you know, yes, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more, for sure. That's absolutely true. But it really comes down to your heart. Are you, you know... God sees the struggle. He knows if you're, if you're genuine in, your, in what you're try, trying to live out your Christian life. He knows whether you're, whether you're, what your struggles are and how you're trying to maybe release it to him, but you don't know how. And, and, and it's just like anything else. It's by faith. It's to believe in him and to receive what he wants to do in your life. You see, we're not so different from these guys in the Christian life. We can easily slip into that, and, and it can... We can, we can so easily uh, uh, become mastered by sin. Things like gossip. Things like slander. Things like maybe overindulging in food, anger. All these sins that, you know, maybe we would consider acceptable. Well, everybody gets angry. Well, that was a righteous anger. Was it? I'm not sure if it was. 
Listen, there are many, many sins in, 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 in the Christian culture that are acceptable, but how many sins are acceptable to God? None. None. Don't give yourself an out. Everybody else is doing it. So-and-so does it, you know. I'm glad I'm married to my wife because she tells me how it is. Hey, man, that's sin. You need to not do that. That's not right. You know, we keep each other in check because, you know what? We do struggle, and so do you. And you know what? The power is in Christ, and it's not in ourselves. So, so we're in the same boat as these guys sometimes. Look at what Jesus says in verse 34. He says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The, the idea that he says truly, truly there is, is um, to place great importance upon what he's going to speak about and also that what he's speaking is he has the authority to say it and it is true what he's about to say. He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, but not me. I'm not a slave to sin. I mean... Yeah, I get mad sometimes, you know, at little things when people don't do things the way that I want them done. But that's perfectly okay. You know, I really, you know, I'm really not struggling at all. I'm not a slave to sin. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. If you sin, you're a slave to sin. If you sin, you're a slave to sin. Now, now we have to understand the word practices sin. The word practices is not just talking about a single act of sin. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the old nature. It's talking about a habitual lifestyle. It, it, it's talking about, you know, living in the same nature, uh, the same Adam nature, the, um, the fall back into that nature. At that point, sin has mastery over you. It's not to stumble and fall and then to repent and turn away. The sin has no mastery over that. You know, sin has no mastery over that. But sin does master those who fall back into the old nature and try and live in the old nature. I like to always say that we have resurrection power. That's why Paul says, reckon the old man dead. Continue to recognize that he's dead. Don't bring him back alive. Reckon him dead. Leave him dead. Don't feed him then. Don't feed him because that's how he'll come alive in your life. Listen, that, that, that nature, that sin nature will rise back up in you faster than you can blink. How many Christians do you know? How many Christians do you know that are drug addicts? How many Christians do you know that got caught up in something and they are in, totally bound by it and they can't seem to get out of it? Man, that's a miserable place to be. And I tell you, I have been there. And my guess is you have too, right? We've been there. And we realize that there is only one answer for that. And it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul said this to Christians. He said, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Do not submit to the yoke of slavery. It happens so fast. If you're dabbling in sin, listen, it is going to rule you if you don't do something about it. I had a very close family member of mine I, um, that was a, 
just a terrible drug addict. And I, I had to have a conversation with this person and I asked them, um, you know, and they wanted to be, and I could see the desire to be set free from all that. And I asked, I said, so, so what do you and your friends talk about when you're getting ready to slam some stuff up your veins? What do you talk about? Well, we talk about how this is going to be the last time we're going to do this and get our lives squared away and all this kind of stuff. And this is it, man. The last time I'm doing this. Every one of them are saying the same thing. I need help. I'm in bondage. This is not fun. That's what sin does. It, it's fun for a season, but, but all of a sudden you become mastered over it. You have no control whatsoever. Your body dictates what you need and when you need it. And you obey it. They would sit there and have conversations about their so desired to be set free, but not knowing how to do it. Not knowing where to go to get it. And some of them saying it, but not truly meaning it. Listen, you can say things, but sometimes we don't truly mean them. I want to be free, but I'm not willing to give that up. Well, Paul says then you can enjoy your slavery. You can enjoy your slavery because you will be a slave to sin. It's how it works, man. If, if you're messing around with stuff in your life right now and you think you're getting away with it, you're not. Do you know how smart the devil is? Do you know that he knows you and he knows your temptation? He knows the nature of Adam really well. To be able to take a perfect man and a woman and corrupt them? How deceitful, how sly you have to be. And you're bigger than that? Stand firm, Paul said. That's to be on guard. That's to be vigilant, to be ready at all times because temptation's right around the corner. He goes on, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus tells us the difference between a slave and a son here. In Rome, a slave had no legal status. They had no permanent standing in the master's household. The slave could be sold at any moment in time, and he had no say whatsoever about it. The son, however, he has legal status. He has a place in the family. He has a place in the home. A son's not going to be sold. He's guaranteed a place in the home of the, of the master because he's a son. You see, the Jews had a false sense of security because of their Abrahamic, uh, Abrahamic uh, lineage, and thus they thought they were guaranteed a permanent place in God's family and household. But Jesus explains to them that they are not. They're slaves. They're slaves to sin, just along with everybody else there. And they have no permanent standing in the Father's house. You need to become a son, he says. You need to become a son. That's the only way that you're going to be made spiritually free. It's the only way that you're going to be kept spiritually free is to remember that you're a son. Jesus guarantees us that if he sets us free, we'll be free indeed. This isn't like your 60,000-mile warranty on your tires where you go back to the guy that you bought them from at 30,000 and you say, hey, they're bald. Um, do I get credit for these? And they say, no, sorry, that was extreme wear and tear on that. Wait, I, I had a 60,000-mile warranty on my tires. No, but you, you, you used them too much. What? I just, you know what I'm talking about. That's not Jesus' guarantee for us. 
Jesus' guarantee is for sure. Last time I checked, every single promise that Jesus gave or the word of God gave, it's fulfilled and it will be fulfilled. We can trust him at his word. He intends us to live by him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can have the freedom from sin that we need. And so as we, we're going to continue on here just, just for a few moments, and we're going to remember the freedom that we have in Christ as Christians, that Jesus did set us free, that we are free indeed. And, and again, it, it's not, there's not power in the act. The power is in the, faith, the person that you place your faith in, in the act. In Jesus and Jesus alone. He wants to set us free, and he did set us free. And the, and the problem is, some of us are receiving the power in that freedom, to walk in that freedom. He wants us to. And I would say that, you know what? We all fall into this. There's not one person in this place that, that doesn't struggle with sin. You know, the Bible tells us that. You know, 1 John 1 tells us that if you say there's no sin in you, you're a liar. You're a liar. And so, you know what? I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. You do what the Spirit leads you to do this morning. If you need to nail something to the cross, do it. It's by faith, so you can sit in your seat and you can believe by faith in Jesus Christ, whatever you want to do. But I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. And I'll tell you what, my, my nail's in there already. I put my nail in there. The worship team's going to come up. We're going to sing us some songs about freedom, and their, their nails are in there. So listen, take some time before the Lord. Allow the Lord to set you free. I know we're running a little late, but this is important, man. This is important. This is an opportunity, you know, for you to say to God, I struggle, God, and I need your help, and I want to be set free. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done in our lives and sending your son and the freedom that we can experience in him, Lord. I pray today as... Those people who are filled in this room today, you know their hearts, you know exactly where they are, you know their struggles, you know what's going on in their lives, you know what they need and what they don't need. We ask by the power of your spirit that you would just speak to our hearts right now, Lord, as we look to you and we ask you, Lord, to, to, to shine your light in on us. Lord, to, as David would pray, Lord, search me and know me, O oh God. Search me and and allow any wicked way to come out, Lord, that I might see that sin and I might make it right. Lord, you came to set us free. You don't desire for us to live in bondage to anything. And so help us to be free today. Help us not to walk out of here with the same burdens on our shoulders. Help us to leave them at the foot of the cross as we nail them to the cross, as your word even says in Colossians chapter 2, verse, verses uh, 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us and its legal demands, that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We're going to nail those to the cross today, Lord. By faith, we're going to receive the, the, the freedom that you want to give for us. Help us to just first and foremost, before we take our nail, Lord, to repent of whatever it is that you put on our hearts to repent of, Help us to nail that, in, that nail as a symbol of that you've paid for that and that we no longer have to be mastered by that sin. We can be set free this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, if there's any person in this place that doesn't have a relationship with you, that's the first place they have to start. 
They have to come and they have to kneel before you. They have to make you Lord and Savior. So help them to just simply confess their sin, to by faith believe in Jesus Christ and, and His death and His resurrection. If they would put their faith in the Son and they would call upon Him as Lord and Savior, that He would set them free as well. Father, work in our midst this morning. Help us to be honest with you and, and may we truly experience what it is that you desire for us to experience this morning, freedom, true freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.